Hey folks, I'm your host, Bob Harrison. Welcome back. This is our first new podcast of 2023. Thanks for joining us. This episode is focused on our interview with actor Michael Nathanson. He recently launched a unique and interesting podcast called Playing Dead, and he was gracious enough to spend some time with us talking about the project. I got to say, this was a really fun interview. We got to do this interview at LA Comic-Con. We were there on a press pass, which is a great thing, and the people there were able to hook us up with this opportunity. Michael Nathanson is a very talented actor. He's been in dozens of TV roles. He's also been in film. In addition to his main cast role on season one of The Punisher, he was also a major part in the Cinemax series The Nick as Dr. Levy Zinberg. I'm a huge fan of The Nick. We loved that show. I was It was great to talk to him, tell him how much we liked that show. Um, he in The Punisher, he plays Agent Sam Stein, who, spoilers, dies at Jigsaw's hand. It's several years old. You should have seen it, and I'm sorry about the spoilers. Uh, okay, spoilers are over. Nathanson has also been in a bunch of film roles. He's been in movies like Young Adult, Side Effects, The Wolf of Wall Street. His concept of this podcast is called Playing Dead, and the concept is that he spends time talking to actors and other film professionals about the experience and mechanics of dying on screen. And I think that is just a brilliant concept to really explore what that means as an actor, how that affects you, the way you prepare, the way you execute, the emotions going into creating a character, and then essentially having that character no longer be there for you. It's really good. I've listened to a bunch of the episodes. There are seven out right now. And so we ended up talking about the podcast, obviously, and what he learned. We also veered into the realm of geekdom. He grew up reading comics. Uh, he's a he's a big nerd. Be, him being at a Comic-Con was a great experience for him and for me as well. So we had a good time. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, we hope to bring you more of these types of interesting podcasts in the future. And uh, we're going to get right into it here we go all right let's get let's get started so yeah. podcast in your words what's it about um well i would say the podcast is um a celebration of the iconic deaths in the history of cinema primarily at this point we're focusing on you know sci-fi kind of the geek world of, mm -hmm. of sort of iconic deaths um but it's all about kind of creating a nice therapy session between myself, the actor who played it, and then the fans out there to get sort of like a final sort of like a funeral. Sure. Each one is sort of like a mini funeral where you get to come and talk about the character and experience what that was like, experience the journey. And it's a way for, I think, fans to interact with celebrities in a way that they haven't before, you know, that they feel like they can see them as real people and artists and people who have a journey that brought them to that moment where they, you know, a lot of fans see these people as betray you or see them as right. Vasquez or see them as, you know, uh, Barb and Stranger Things, whatever. But it's like, there's a whole life that led up to that and a life beyond that. But because that one moment kind of crystallized their persona in the public mind, um, it's fun to kind of revisit why that resonated so much. And, and after I died in The Punisher, or actually while I was shooting The Punisher and I knew I was going to die, I didn't want to leave that world because I was such a huge fan myself. Sure. And they used to tell me, like, we've never had an actor who, like, gave as much of a shit about, like, just coming to set. Because I would come to set early and just, like, go to the different sets and, like, hang out by the battle van. And, right. like, 
I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I would go visit the Marvel uh, offices and just, just hang out right. <laughs> and just like awesome. raid their prop closets. So like for me, it was just like a way to like, you know, continue my journey uh, beyond my death in that in the universe too. So, so what do you think, or what do you hope that the listeners will get from the, the podcast and, and the conversations? I, I think they're going to get a deeper understanding of what it's like to be an artist creating these things. You know, um, I, I want them to feel like they get to know these characters as human beings, as, as someone that they can relate to beyond just something they saw on screen. And, and I think it's important for that connection. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to go to a Comic-Con once a year, pay a bunch of money, have someone sign some shit and like leave. But like, this is a unique opportunity to feel like you're in the room with them, hanging out, like having a beer, having a coffee. And like, I want them to feel that intimacy um, and that level of communion with the artist and getting a deeper sense of, you know, what we put into our work and how much it means to us and that we understand how much it means to the fans and, and we absorb that and think about it and bring it out, you know, want to bring it back to them. That's absolutely great. When you're doing something like this yeah. that is creative and, uh, you know, I, I, view, I view every person who does something creative as a learning experience. So what have you learned? <laughs> What have you learned through the process of, of a making a podcast and through the interviews? I'm a bad listener. <laughs> I talk too much. That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I think everybody thinks, oh, I can just do a podcast. And like, I had an idea to do this for a few years. And I'm at one point I was do uh, I had it uh, in the works to do it with Marvel. We were going to do a sort of Marvel centric version of this. And then I kind of got co-opted by a bigger company that wanted to do it as a TV show. And I was like, Ooh, that's fun. Let's do it as a TV show. And that, that kind of turned into something else and we pitched it around and didn't happen. So when it came back to me, I was like, it kind of came back to me during this sort of golden age of like when podcasts are now, you know, they really are like, you know, they've been exploding for a while, but they're really, I think during COVID it became even more so because people were, you know, there's almost so much TV you can watch. And I think it was fun for people to listen. And now, and now that people are back in their journeys again, like commuting and doing things like they're, you know, I think even more so it's, there was a lot of development and now it's like being put out into the world. So I was like, oh, let's bring this back to doing a podcast. And because I know that I'm a good conversationalist and I, and I enjoy talking to people. And when I would go to Comic-Cons, I would sit in the green room and just every celebrity that came in that I liked, I'd be like, oh, hey, can I talk to you? And, yeah. I, would, and I felt like I prepped my podcasts <laughs> for so many years and I because and I, I genuinely enjoy these people. I'm a huge fan. This is like right. so exciting for me. But then when I got into the studio and I was like, yeah, I'm a good talker. I can do this. I remember the, after the first interview, you know, my producer was like, okay, have a seat. We got to get, we got to talk. And it was like... You're very dynamic. You're very interesting. You have a lot to say, but it's what they have to say that's more important. And I think over the course of having these conversations and learning how to sort of figure out the medium a bit more, you know, I think as an, as an artist, you're always growing, you're always learning things. And I think you take certain kinds of certain, certain kind of jobs for granted. You know, I think a lot of people were just like, oh, well, it'd be easy to do this or easy to do that, or it would be an easy transition to go from this to that. And it's like, Podcasting is a, is an art form into uh, into itself. Being a host, being an interviewer, you know, and uh, you know, I realized, oh wait, I really don't have any experience doing this. So it was a learning process to to know when to speak, know when to interject, um, give the breath of of that. Yeah, and because you you get excited, you know, you get enthusiastic, Absolutely. and you want to. So I've been learning slowly but surely to listen more, give them, give the interviewee 
enough space and room to feel like they are getting their thoughts and ideas out. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Because <laughs> when you ask a question, the answer is not what you think it is. It's what the person who's answering the question is. And you know what? And it's, and it's like, you know, I would come in, especially in the, in the early interviews, I would come in and have a whole list of, not questions, like I never, I never prepped in, particularly in that way. I did a ton of prep where I would like research their movies and like remember all the things I want to talk about. And I had it all in my head and I didn't want it to feel like a Q&A. But I had notes and things and I had a whole idea of where I expected the conversation to go. And nine times out of ten, the conversation went to a completely different place. And nine times out of ten, a way cooler, way more intimate, personal place. And like, you know, I had one guest who like, you know, broke out into tears in the middle of the interview. Did I expect that to happen? Nope. Well, what was, the follow on that, what was the, yeah. what's the coolest thing that you've discovered through the interview process? Like, the, uh, like without, without spoilers. I was going to say, like, there's a couple of yeah. cool things that, like, I'm couple, sure, I'm sure there's, there's some stuff. great, yeah, you know, it's, it, even being a geek myself and, like, reading all the websites and following all the things and, and, and wanting to know all the behind-the-scenes stories, you know, there were definitely little tidbits from, like, movies and, and productions and, and that I had no idea and, I love hearing people's opinions, like some of the guys from Star Wars, like especially the puppeteers, because I got to interview Dave Ramsey and Mike Quinn. Okay. And, um, you know, Dave Ramsey was the Jabba the Hutt puppeteer and created Jabba the Hutt, basically. And Mike Quinn was Nien Num, obviously, and he was also, um, he puppeteered Yoda for a lot of, for part of Empire, and he puppeteered Yoda's death scene okay. in Return of the Jedi. That's crazy. Like, cool. that's got to be, like, kind of cool to, like... Because the concept yeah. of, you know, let's talk about death scenes, but now we're talking about the puppeteers. And that's, you know, and that's, like that's you know, not that's to go crazy. on a tangent for a second, but, you know, my goal with this wasn't just to say, I never intended to, to have a, a show where it was like, one episode was going to be, you know, these couple of actors and the next couple of actors. Like, I wanted to know, like, what does death mean in the scope of all of this stuff? Like, animated deaths, video game deaths. Um, like I said, puppet deaths. I think there's, a, there's a, it's just a cornucopia of, like, the ways that, like there's, because you can't tell me that Yoda's death isn't as affected, affecting as a human being's death in a famous movie, right? Like that. I mean, that brings me to tears every time I see it. And so, um, what was it? <laughs> I forget where we were at the beginning. So the coolest thing. Oh, the coolest thing. I mean, you were talking about that. that yeah. That, that, that conversation. There was a there. I had. I there was a cool like little sort of like thing that happened in this in the Star Wars interview where. They have a very strong opinion about where a certain very important famous plot point came from. Okay. And they feel like they may have created that. Interesting. And not Lucas, but, right. you know, Wait, it's one of the... number is this one? Oh, God. Back. I think it's the last... I think it's episode... I think we do eight episodes, and then this one's going to be the ninth episode. I think it's episode eight. Okay. It's a Star Wars episode, so okay. look for that. There's a fun little thing. And do I believe them? I don't know. I wasn't there. Sure. But I thought it was kind of cool. And, you know, like, I had a really deep conversation with david dasmalchian about uh suicide squad right. and, and polka dot man and um that's an interesting concept there like i mean he when you like that's a perfect example of you see that character he walks on the screen you're like oh he's dying you yeah know. well and like they're all dying right. but the amazing thing about david is you know david's very open about this so this is not like a spoiler about like suddenly he t opened up to me about this but we did have a very deep personal conversation about it you know he tried to commit suicide when he was younger he had a lot of issues with drugs and all sorts of things. And, and so we talked a lot about how I, darkly ironic it is that, you know, his most famous role to date is in a movie called 
the Suicide Squad, where to him suicide is not funny. It's yeah. not a. It's not a. Um, but but he has perspective and he understands that this is not this movie's not making fun of it. But it's just like the idea of being a character. Like he he had such a connection to that character based on his life experience that was just a natural fit. It wasn't like oh, what a coincidence, you know, it's like, wow. No, or I guess maybe it was a coincidence, and it just, it, it's like that serendipitous thing when, like, certain actors are just sort of meant to have these iconic roles, and the life experience that he brought to a sort of comic book character just made that role an even more deeply layered character, and I think it came across. So listening to some of those stories where people, you know, you don't, you don't get... In a lot of these sort of like quick EPK kind of style interviews, or even if you go to a con, you talk to someone for two seconds, or even in a panel, you don't get those like really deep, intimate stories because there's something to be said for a one-on-one -on -one conversation. People just tend to open themselves up. I was I was coming over here to this con, and I was I had a driver in the Uber who was like the same way. He was telling me like, "Oh, I've driven all these famous people, and like my car is like a therapy therapy car. Like it's like a cone of silence." He's like, there's something about when you just get into an intimate one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone for an extended period of time in a small space, right. they just open up. And so I think the listeners will, will, will hear a lot of those really, really cool, interesting, personal um, anecdotes. And you, you really just get to see them warts and all. You know? cool. It's cool, yeah. Very, very cool. I'm very excited for it. I, Thanks, I want to kind of like, I don't want to take too much of your time here. No, no, like, it's all good. Whenever they tell me to leave, I'll leave. What's your, uh, what's, what's your nerd gym? Like, what is the thing? What's, what, you said you, you like going to Comic-Cons and stuff like that. So what's the, are you a comic book reader? Did you grow up reading comics? Yeah, you know, I definitely grew up reading comics. I always liked super dark. I was always a Batman guy. I know I'm from, you know, Marvel made my bones, but oh, like, fine. but uh, Batman is my jam, like for sure. Like every iteration of Batman that comes out on screen, I'm like, I'm reading for like six months about like the making of it. I want to know who's in it. I want to know who's getting cast as the villains. Um, I love, I, I loved every Batman comic. I'm obsessed with the Joker. I was obsessed with all of the, the like really dark stuff that came out with like Killing Joke and like all that. That sort of era of graphic novel was when I really like came of age. Um, and then when Watchmen came out, that blew my fucking mind. Right. And, um, but I used to read comics like The Nom. Like sure. I, used, I liked like really dark, real, and I liked awesome. Punisher. Like I liked those kind of like real gritty. Stuff, which is, I think, why I like Batman, you know, no superpowers. Oh, that's fine. And, I, and um, that's good stuff. Yeah, and then, like, as I got older, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I was a Star Wars kid, obviously, and I, I've always loved Star Wars. I have, I have strong opinions about the later, the sure. late, the prequels and the later iterations, but, every, you know, every, classic Star Wars is I my think, jam for sure. I think every Star Wars fan has yeah. strong opinions about everything. About oh, Star yeah. Wars. Oh, yeah. But, like, I love sci fi was always, like, dark sci fi was always my thing. And, and, like, I would say my ultimate favorite favorite is John Carpenter. Like, and, not to like segue into this, but like to get to interview Keith David today was like, holy fuck, dude. Like I've got my, I've got my little, uh, props that I'm going to bring on. I'm going to, I'm going to make him put on these fucking sunglasses at the beginning <laughs> exactly. of that interview. Um, but I love, yeah, I love the John Carpenter sort of like that twilight zone kind of John Carpenter world where it's yeah. like, it looks like our world, but it's not. And it's just yeah. like uncomfortable and weird. And, um, I like it, but I don't want to be there type of thing. Exactly. And kind of like, it's almost like therapeutic to like get through it. Like if you can get through a John Carpenter movie you're better for it, you know, in your own, in your own life. But yeah, I mean, God, I love so many things. I'm super, I'm super, I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan, like lifelong Indiana Jones fan. Like my mom made me homemade Indiana Jones costumes for like 10 years as a kid, every year, every year. Every year. And wore my dad's fedora, had a rubber whip, wore my mom's purse as my satchel. I did the whole thing. And, um, I don't know, I, the trailer just dropped 
I it's got a real. It's got a real Kingdom of the Crystal Skull vibe oh, I for me. I, I, there's like I've this weird sheen. Oh man, I you know it's funny. I went to see um, when they re-released the the DVDs, uh, or maybe they released the Trilogy on Blu-ray. They did like a one day in a bunch of theaters. This is years ago. One day in a bunch of theaters, all four movies in a row. And so they gave you like. So you could get in and out and like take breaks. They gave you like an idol, like one of these like little things, but it was like an idol. And I went with my friend and my wife made us a bunch of pot brownies and we sat and, nice. and we, but our, but our goal was we will get through Last Crusade, but we are not staying for the fourth movie. <laughs> and as soon as Last Crusade was over and the lights came up, we went home. Cause I was like, I can't, God bless those guys. But like, yeah, no. I, I couldn't nuke the fridge again, but I, I watched the trailer. I, I'm not j- joking. I think I've watched the trailer now 30 times. Trying to figure out what this could be like, and I will say the coolest thing about the trailer for me was, you know, they talked about the de aging process that they're sure. gonna like the whole first uh, act of the movie, like not just a scene. Apparently, the first act yeah, of the movie is like a full Indiana Jones adventure of him as a younger Indiana Jones. Right. So you get that like you think you're back in Raiders of the Lost Ark or Crusade or whatever, and I will tell you they show a, cl- a clip of it, and I showed it to my wife who could give a fuck about any of this stuff, and she was like, "Wow, that looks realistic." So I was well, like. Okay. Maybe they figured that out, but I don't know. I'm very, I'm very nervous. It's hard. It's hard because there's so many yeah. things that it's one of the things that film is trying to get to the point something that comic books has always had. Because in comic yeah. books, there's, there's no production budget. Like you can, you can have space to- adventures. You can totally. have people look however they want to have. Them. And they're trying to match it now. And so right. now, when, as you have film doing like like She Hulk, the whole thing about her and the CGI and how she looks. I mean, I thought it was good. I thought they did. eventually, you know, it, it, it got it, it got better. It got better. <laughs> But like the um, and the Sonic thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Where, where with the teeth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but um, but like that's one of the things. Like film, I think, is getting to the point where they're they're able to, like your wife said, that's believable. Like there was, if you look at stuff like you know twenty years ago, you could never get it to the point where you said that's believable. Right? Totally, totally. And I, and do you even want that kind of believability? Like, there's a certain level right. of like you want. It's just like with books, you know, like. There's something to be said for like reading a book. My kids love to read books, but their favorite things are graphic novels. Now I can't begrudge them that because I read graphic novels when I was a kid and I love them too. But like, there's something to be said when you read a book. Like I'm reading Harry Potter to my kids, and my my rule about Harry Potter is we are going to read, we'll read a book, then you can watch the movie of that book. That's great. That's cool. So they're getting to experience that world now. It's starting to match a little bit because they're seeing the things from the movie, and it's almost impossible that you, you can't like completely but it's like their imaginations run wild and I did that with my son who's 30 okay okay. when they were coming out it was a lot easier yeah I think it's I think it's important to like leave something to the imagination because that's you know when I was a kid there were like what two channels on TV I didn't get to see nothing was streaming there's no internet so all the play that I did where I would like you know imagine that's the great thing about the original Star Wars is that they don't tell the whole story there's places for you to fill in the gaps as a creative person, as a storyteller, as an imaginative kid or whatever. And that way, hopefully that inspires that kid to, to allow their imagination to run wild and build on that and make their own universe. And I think we've lost so much of that. And that's, I'm hoping at some point we can like understand that, you know, technology is cool, but like, you know. That's great. Yeah. Thanks a lot for doing this. Oh yeah, man. I really appreciate Pleasure. It. Yeah. I hope, I like your questions. They were, they were great. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to that. This was a really fun interview. It was an amazing experience for me. I hope you folks will give Playing Dead a try. It's smart. It's well-crafted. The interviews are are excellent. I definitely recommend it. As always, I want to remind everybody to follow us on all of our socials. 
we try to keep it interesting. We try to keep everything a little different. We, you know, want everybody to have their own experience on our social media platforms, but you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at pop culture squad. Tell us about this interview. Check it out. Tell us what you think. Also make sure you subscribe to the Squadcast on your favorite podcast delivery platform. As always, the intro and lead out music is Pray for Rain by Space and Time Band. See you later.